2: I'm no square I'm alert,
0: I'm awake, I'm aware I am always on the scene Making the rounds, digging the sounds I buy people
2: a magazine Cause I'm hip Like dig, I'm in step When it was hip to be hip I was hip, I don't blow But I'm a fan Look at me swing, ring-a-ding-ding I even call my girlfriend man because I'm
0: hip.
3: All right, uh, that's the theme music for the uh, exciting uh, end to the year, the most coveted award in jazz, the Seymours, uh, which we will be presenting today. Uh, for the best jazz recordings of 2016 uh, with our usual panel of Seymour's judges, including Gene Seymour himself, the mayor of jazz, uh, jazz critic Gene Se- Seymour, joining us in studio, which is not customary uh, but but desirable, uh, and also in studio with us, as they usually are, uh, pianist Jen Allen uh, and fellow pianist uh, Noah Behrman, who's also director of resonant motion. Did I get it right?
4: Artistic director, Artistic but director. I'll take it. Okay.
3: Hey, I, I only missed one word. Um, all right. So – and what they've done is they've sat down with a pencil and a piece of paper and they've written down a whole list of things that they loved in 2016 and then narrowed that down and narrowed it down a little bit more. And so we are going – before we begin though, was, there's was an interesting conversation going on before we went on the air that had to do with women in jazz of which, Jen, you are one. But you were saying that there are still people, Noah, who like go,
4: how come there aren't any women whatever?"s right? I, I have experienced that. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it's utterly overwhelming how much jazz has been released this year and at this point every year. I mean, thousands of albums. And if you are not digging deep and you just look at the few things that get the most publicity, then you might come to the conclusion that uh, women instrumentalists are few in number, Um, but you don't actually have to look that hard to be disavowed of that misapprehension.
2: Absolutely not. It, it, it just infuriates me that some people cling to this notion that jazz is made by men, put, performed by men, per, you know, arranged and conducted by men, and women sometimes sing. No, no, yeah. wake up. It's, it's so much different
3: than that. E- each of you has at least one woman instrumentalist on your final four. Uh, Noah has two. Uh, in his final four. So speaking, Jen, of women instrumentalists, uh, we're going to be in with you uh, and one of your picks, one of your fellow pianists, uh, Rini Rosnes. Should we just, let's play the clip first and then everybody can talk about it. Okay, so this is uh, from the release, Written in the Rocks, and this is Galapagos. background. Uh, Rini is a Canadian by birth. Uh, she's 54 years uh, old. She's married to a, a fellow famous pianist, Bill Charlap. Uh, in fact, on her Facebook page, there's a recent picture of her and Bill sitting on some stairs with their, quote, friends, Elvis and Diana. So that's pretty cool. You know, they're your friends and they sit on the stairs with you. That would be Elvis Costello and Diana crawl of course. Um, so um, tell us a little bit more about why you picked Rini.
1: Well, first, I love Rini Rosnes. have since the first time I heard her, um, her playing is powerful and beautiful, um, and everything she's ever done, I've I've loved. But this, I love this, um, the idea of a suite. I like this because um, it has it evokes parts of nature, and it it has just a lot of inspiration in. Um, from the the world and I guess that was part of her um, idea when she was trying to write this suite and a suite in jazz is a little different than a suite you know in any other kind of music but um, being a composer myself I just think this is, the writing is really wonderful and very um, what's the word I'm thinking of? But you can grasp it, anybody can really Accessible. Ju- accessible, that's the word I'm I'm going for but it, you know just listening to it she makes so much out of a little idea boop boop beep you know that little mm. idea, and she makes a whole piece just based on that, and it, it's wonderful. And the players are all great on there. You got Steve Nelson and Steve Wilson and Peter Washington and Bill Stewart. I mean, you really can't go wrong with this album at all.
3: Yeah, that Steve Steve Wilson is there. I think on a lot of the wind stuff, and I believe he's been up for Seymour's in the past. Has he, he has.
2: Not? And uh, the one thing, I want, two things I want to say about Rini is that she is, she is also that, that clip is wonderful. As that clip was, it doesn't give an in. Even an inkling of how versatile she is, because mm-hmm. she has been in so many different venues. She was the principal pianist for the now defunct Carnegie Hall Jazz Band, and every time she would go into a vamp or a comp, it was played with such authority and such ease that people wondered where did she come from. You know? I think she was
3: James Moody's pianist. For yeah, a yeah, she, of years. she played with Joe
2: Henderson. I mean, she learned a lot of stuff, and she has assimilated so many different influences, like from Herbie Hancock to a little bit of McCoy Tyner in that piece as well. But it, she has now grown to the point where she does have her own distinctive voice that stands mm-hmm. out, and it's great to see her
4: you know, achieve this level after all these years.
2: Noah, did you want to make a comment?
4: I love Rini. I agree with them. And I'll point out for the local listeners that uh, the first time I heard this tune was a couple of years ago in Bushnell Park when she came uh-huh. with Steve Nelson with her quartet. Uh-huh.
3: Well, one of the yeah. themes that we're going to come back to again and again here is you know, that Connecticut – it's just kind of a. We really punch so far above its weight with jazz between the Hall High School program, the Jackie McLean program at Hart, and some of the stuff that goes on in New Haven and the festivals that we have and stuff like that. Uh, Connecticut, for this tiny little state, particularly around here, I mean, I got to say, uh, like around here, in Hartford, where I am, it's just it's way out of proportion to everything else. But no, one of the other places that we might not have remembered to mention today is your uh, uh, is represented in your first choice here, uh, the Black Art Jazz Collective, presented by the Side Door Jazz Club in Old Lyme. Suddenly, an epicenter of jazz performances. It,
4: it really is one of the destinations for jazz and for musicians uh, in the whole region now. Um, so. Big props to Ken Kitchings and Jan Mullen for um, for putting it on the map and for giving such a wonderful venue for so many musicians. And this is the first live record to come out under their auspices.
3: Although it's sort of hard to figure out I, whether it's live or whether – they were there like for two nights, but I think they were also kind of using it as a studio maybe when they weren't playing live there. I, I'm not exactly sure whether these are the live performances or whether they just – you and know, the when, God's
4: honest truth is yeah. I can't say for sure. I was yeah. there for one of the nights that they were performing this music and uh, um, it certainly sounded polished right. uh, enough that it uh, could have been those, uh, those takes. Right.
3: I think they said you were making a lot of noise with the ice in your drink or something. So <laughs> they just decided to retake everything as a result. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to play a little bit from this and then Noah's going to tell us a little bit more about it. So this is this group, this collective, and they are a collective too in the sense, I think, Noah, that although the main thing they do is play jazz, they see themselves as having kind of a broader artistic and political purpose too. But they've been around for a while, right?
4: A few years, yeah. And, uh, and the collective in the sense that so many jazz groups are the whoever got the gig quartet, the Joe Schmoe Quartet. And this is a sextet that's uh, cooperatively led. So it's uh, trumpet player Jeremy Pelt, um, pianist Xavier Davis, drummer Jonathan Blake, who we'll hear on another one of the tracks later this uh, afternoon um, uh, bassist Vicente Archer and uh, two Hart School graduates, uh, saxophonist Wayne Scaffery and trombonist James Burton and uh, Vicente um, took over the bass chair uh, for the composer of this tune, right. the great Dwayne Burno, who was the original bassist in the group and passed away a couple years ago right. Right. So anything else anybody wants to say about this?
2: I, you know, this is the kind of thing I grew up on almost, I mean, and, and, and being from Hartford and being born and raised in Hartford, this is the kind of thing that I heard other people putting together as they were developing, and so it, it's seeing all this kind of thing coalesce at a place like this is is, is just really satisfying, I think, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure punching above your own weight is the way I would put it, but yeah, it, it well, does.
3: this little tiny state and nobody thinks we're that cool. Yeah, yeah. You yeah.
2: know? <laughs> but we are. You have to think uh, about cool. it. That's the difference. <laughs>
3: Cool. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on. We're going um, to Speaking of women, uh, another woman instrumentalist. This is on Jean's list. Uh, I have quite a bit to say about this person, uh, Jane Ira Bloom. Uh, but uh, let's uh, play Singing the Triangle first and then we'll uh, talk about Jane. So Jane Outer Bloom is exactly my age, or at least within you know six months of my age. Uh, so she's been around a while, that means.
2: Uh, this not only is on my list, it led my list this year. And I just heard that, the way everything kind of coalesced and started from that point, and I was reminded just how really brilliant this was. Because she rarely, she's never done an album where it's just her, a, ba- a drum, and a bass, and and I, I, I can never figure out why because she has such a full, rich, and resourceful voice. And this is the first time I've actually heard her really lay out to the point that she has been. And for her to have done this after so many years in the business, um, I, I think it's one of – if it's not her masterwork, it's pretty close.
3: I so think. you're saying to two piano players you think it's really great that she doesn't have a piano player? <laughs> um, what, what kind of talk is that?
2: Yeah. Uh, Jazz critic talks, so, so, so you can dismiss it. Actually, as in, you in, will. in
3: fairness, uh, on your list is uh, Jason Chamberlay, who's, who's pianist. Yeah, right? so, yeah, Ryan Yeah, and I,
1: um, yeah, so I actually, and Chris too. I mean, they're yeah. both, they both are pianist right. groups, right. and I, I actually. I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it, too. Yeah.
2: Well, the pianist thing is always a All
3: challenge. Right, just run right off the <laughs> yeah. cliff. I don't care. That's, that's like your life. So I guess I have to quickly say that – so Jane, Ira Bloom, and I went not only to the same university but the same residential college within the same university in the same year. So Jane uh, Bloom was a big presence in my life, uh, and I often would come, go up to her and try to engage her in conversations about, you know – bird. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I could tell that I was a nuisance. And then she came, she was on the show. She was on the, remember she was on yeah, one you yeah, with yeah, us yeah, for the yeah, Seymour yeah. Awards. Right, right, right. And it turned out that not only didn't she remember being annoyed by me, she had no idea I existed. So like I wasn't <laughs> even on the annoying part of her radar, like as a person who came up to her and solicited Unwanted conversations with her. Like I hadn't even made that impression on her. <laughs> at least you've at
4: least you've now made that step, right? That's so. right.
3: I hadn't I hadn't even made a negative impression on her, let alone a positive one.
2: You could have talked about science. She's really into that. Yeah, so,
3: yeah. I don't know. It just yeah. Yeah. it made me feel bad. But uh, but she is great, and I have certainly enjoyed her work the whole time. She's that yeah. You would just see her like alone in the common room, you know, belting out Misty or something, and it was great. Yeah. So. Uh, so, I discovered her very early anyway, even though she didn't discover me. Um, anyway, that's, it is great, and I mean, assume everybody's just a fan of her. And her tone, right? That's like the tone mm. she gets out of that instrument. It's, it's really cool. better.
2: I mean, I know that you're supposed to get better as you get older, but to see it really come into this full bloom, I mean, so to speak. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just remarkable. And All I right, would, uh, we're going to go to
3: another saxophonist. I personally have never heard of this guy, uh, Chris. Alan? Is that how you say it? Al- <laughs> Al- Alan? Is that how you say it? Yeah, it's you got Alan. it. Chris Alan. And is it beloved or beloved?
1: I say beloved, but beloved? I don't know okay. if he says beloved.
3: Okay, so sure. pretty, much, pretty much an unknown uh, to all of us, I think. But let's <laughs> hear uh, Lord help my unbelief. So we should put our cards on the table. You can keep it up under us a little bit if you want. But um, we should put our cards on the table. So uh, Chris Allen is Jen Allen's husband, of course. And Noah's extremely good friend. In fact, you brought him to the studio one time, right? Didn't you guys play here in the studio? We played here together in the this very studio. And Noah's very good friend. More cards on the table. Jen and Chris and I all go to church together. And so Gene is really the only person who can, you know, in a dispassionate way, talk about this. But we all think he's fabulous and he, he is – He was uh, on the Grammy uh, list for this year for best jazz, and he's uh, on the Downbeat poll, and so it's not just us. We're not not blinded by love.
2: Dispassionately, that's pretty good, by (laughs) the way. (laughs) Really
3: good.
1: (laughs) No, I I think it's amazing. I mean, and I'm not—I don't think I'm being biased in this. I I feel like his writing and his playing continues to get deeper. Um, And this album, this is his second album, and I, I think it's. Um, even better, and I I love listening to these compositions. I love hearing them come to life. I like hearing them practice. I, I just feel that there um, is so much more than just musical stuff behind this. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's some love and some uh, spirit. Some spirit, yeah, yeah a lot of mm-hmm. spirit
3: here, Noah.
4: If it's sort of people make you know, who would you want on the mound uh, <laughs> in the bottom of the ninth in the seventh game and it's a tie or whatever? Yeah. If He's if like I needed, love analogy, by the way. <laughs> if, if I needed a saxophonist who was going to inhabit um, a piece of music and give it the soul and skill that it needed to um, rescue me in the bottom of the ninth, it would be Chris Allen.
3: Yeah. The, the, uh, what I would just inject parenthetically is that he's also a very inspiring person uh, to those of us who get to hear him in a different context. And my son talked about uh, with him for 10 minutes after church one day, and it's like, Every conversation I have with my son, he goes, "You know what that guy Chris Allen said about that?" I think. How many things could Chris <laughs> Allen have said in ten minutes? <laughs> so he's a, a ph- sermon so he's on the mound or something. <laughs> so he's a
2: philosopher too. Right? Definitely. Like,
1: yeah.
2: It's,
3: it's like I've had Chris Allen quoted yes. back to me. It, it it can't even fit into that time span. The number of things he's alleged to have said. All right, we're going to uh, go out of this A segment with one of Noah's choices. So we're, we're going to have to kind of set that up before we do. This is indeed Matt Wilson, who I think is up for. Seymour Award every year, right? I mean, Pretty like, much. we're in here.
4: If not, everywhere. he should be. But.
3: Yeah. So, so tell people who Matt Wilson is. Uh,
4: Matt Wilson is a wonderful drummer, composer, and band leader. He is, among living jazz musicians, probably the one who most epitomizes joy in music. And it's really remarkable. This album uh, is a tribute to his late wife, Felicia. And uh, he gathered together members of all the different ensembles he's led in recent years uh, for the Big Happy Family, he calls the mm-hmm. group, and uh, um, to memorialize somebody with such joy and spirit is uh, a remarkable accomplishment.
3: And so this includes, this Big Happy Family includes, as long as we're doing a shout-out to Chris Allen, who's a product, I believe, of that incredible ha High jazz program, uh, Joel Fromm uh, yes, uh, yeah. is Indeed. also he's he's part of that Matt Wilson happy right. family. Yep. Uh, so we're going to hear, we're going to go out of this segment with See Hartford is cool. It is cool. We're you know, we're cool here. We are, you know, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think we should be embarrassed about saying that or claiming that for us. We, we needn't
4: hang
2: our heads low. Frosty, yeah. one might say, yes. You know what they're all
3: doing? They're kind of looking at me like their whole body language is, it's so not cool that you're saying that, actually. Stop saying that. All right. So this is Matt Wilson's uh, Big Happy Family, Beginning of a Memory of the al- uh, Album. There's a whole root vegetable thing going on in this album. This song is called Request Potato, but there's another track called 25 Years of Rutabagas. So anyway, but this is Request Potato. All right. That's one of only two songs probably that you, under the best of circumstances, will recognize the whole show. But you know that song anyway. Uh, That's one of Gene Seymour's picks. Let me just tell you, we're uh, doing our end of the year uh, favorite jazz stuff. I mean, we can't possibly cover everybody's favorite jazz stuff. Things are being left out. But I think what's fun about this show is that we've got some ones that maybe, you know, aren't turning up on some of the other lists and stuff like that. So uh, joining us uh, are the uh, fabulous uh, pianist and composer, uh, Jen Allen. Uh, same deal for uh, Noah Behrman uh, and Gene Seymour, the mayor of jazz. Um, and that's Fred Hirsch, the Fred Hirsch trio, right? Uh, right. And he's obviously doing Cockeyed Optimus, Rodgers and Hammerstein tune. I was trying to find like a good anecdote about the writing of that song, but <laughs> there isn't one, I don't think. No, it's kind of odd. Except that Richard uh, Rogers was not a cockeyed optimist. No. He was the opposite.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure about Hammerstein either, even though he was ostensibly the more upbeat of the two, but never mind. How could he not be? How could he not be? Yeah. <laughs> um, this was, a, this was as the title of the album is Sunday Night at the Vanguard, and as people who go to the Village of Vanguard in New York know, Sunday Night is like the closing night. It's the last night of the engagement, usually. And um, for some reason, this particular night, and, and he's done live albums at the Vanguard before, but Hirsch himself, who's not, not all together, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty choosy when it comes to what he chooses to release. Thought this night, he w- they were all in the zone. Him, his bassist, John Heybert, and drummer Eric McPherson, a Hart School graduate, by the way. Uh, and they just ran through a whole inventory of things, starting with this, some of his own compositions, and also this very kind of sepulchral but appropriately arranged version of The Beatles for no one. Uh, which, which only hints at the range that this guy has had in, in, in a career and a life that hasn't always been easy for him he's, he's he had some tough times this is a man who spent months in a coma
3: right? yes he did this is like the, maybe the ultimate you know, take a lemon and make lemonade out of it this man was in a, I think an HIV dementia induced yes, coma yes. came out of the coma and released an album I think called Coma Dreams yep. that was stuff that he remembered from his coma that's right that's really impressive and I mean, he and
2: he has been putting out this stuff one after the other. I mean I one of his albums made my honorable mention list last year, but i'm I'm just in awe of the kind of things that Fred Hirsch has done in the wake of what could have been at the very least disabling tragedy
3: i want I want to ask the two pianists here. I'll start with you, jed like I'm not. I can't. I, I wouldn't necessarily rec- recognize anybody's playing except maybe like Oscar Peterson or something. But like, if you listen to this and I don't tell you who it is, would you know it was Fred Hirsch?
1: Um, if my if my skills of listening to Fred Hirsch were a little bit better, I should know more than I do. I find him to be one of the most fabulous pianists out there. Mm. I saw him in concert last year, and I was like, Jen, you need to wake up mm. <laughs> because his his skill is amazing. But yeah, you can definitely tell different pianists. I'm just not as hip to him as I, I would like to
4: be.
3: Would you be able to describe, Noah, what it is that he does that you would look for or notice? Or, or is,
4: are there not words? The th- um, there aren't uh, adequate words. I would say that uh, what stands out to me most is his touch. I mean, some, mm-hmm. especially non-pianists, would argue that the piano is a mechanical uh, object that, unlike wind and string instruments, uh, like bowed string instruments, uh, don't have as much capacity for variation in touch from or in in tone from one player mm. to the next, but Fred's sound at yeah. the instrument is very uh, distinctive mm. and gorgeous.
2: I, can, I concur. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Well said. He's also
4: always doing really interesting projects where he's setting Walt Whitman poems to music yeah. or something yeah. like that. I give rest. him extra props because he's a tennis fan. But well, there you go.
2: <laughs> um,
3: all right, so you never know what you get extra points for, uh, here for on, uh, on this show. All right, here's the guy whose name I butchered so badly in the A segment. It's Ryan Coverley and Catharsis. It's a Jen Allen pick. It's uh, from an album called Azul Infinito. Uh, it's a tribute to a bunch of South American composers and a South American style of music that Ryan Coverley has been listening to. Uh, let's play Mr. Azul, and then we'll have Jen talk about it a little bit. Right. So if you think you hear a human voice in there you do. Uh one of the five instruments uh in his quintet uh is the voice of a woman
4: named Camelia Meza, who
3: you told me has a she has her own album. Now. Uh
4: traces. Yeah. yeah. Which actually one of the cool things about uh uh her uh being used as a horn, so to speak, in Ryan's band is uh it's only the tip of the iceberg for Camila because she's a wonderful guitarist as well
3: although she also on this album sings lyrics at times Uh, there are there's an Yvonne Lin's tune that she sings lyrics to which I I love on this album Uh, and and actually Ryan Coverley wrote a few lyrics which trombonists don't necessarily always do right
1: (laughs) I guess not but uh, yeah it's a great album I think that I must have a theme going this year with the pianoless or chordless, I should say, um, groups. But I, I do find them intriguing in that, especially in this group, that you get the sound of chords mm-hmm. often. I mean, he uses the, the band so uniquely. Um, this is very much like his other Catharsis album that um, came out two years ago. So if you like that one, this one is just an extension of that, kind of building on all that music and different sounds. He's exploring it more. So I really like this.
3: One, one thing I would say is if you're on one of those streaming services where you can kind of pick and choose and maybe that didn't particularly grab you, what you just heard, uh, at least try uh, Madalena, which is the Ivan Linz tune. And you really do get to hear the vocalist on that one. And Gene, one thing I would say about this was like, I, like, I definitely i am going to listen to this more. But in particular, if they were playing somewhere near here, there's something about what they're doing. Like you want to go see them, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean... Um But the most interesting thing that's going on now among musicians in in various fields, but particularly in this one, is they're looking for new ways to sort of make sounds. Mm -hmm. You know, they're looking for new ways to sort of fuse sounds together. You see it in Latin music a lot lately. Um, um, One of my picks this year was Etienne Charles' San Juan Suite, which used a variety of different voices to sort of do this very ambitious thing about the three San Juans in the Western Hemisphere – and and there's a lot of that kind of combination, and you want to see when you hear it recorded, you think, well, that's a nice trick, but how does it work when yeah. it comes when it comes in, per, in person?
3: I have a very quick story to tell. So um, for a long time, uh, we've had uh, this cleaning lady who was from Brazil. Actually, we had a series of people from the same Brazilian family as cleaning ladies. But this cleaning lady, who um, I've always had a little trouble kind of bonding with her, she doesn't speak very much. Well, she she speaks English. I don't know why I've had trouble bonding with her. But lately when she's been in the house, what I've done is just build this whole playlist of Yvonne Linz and Milton Nascimento and Javon and stuff like that. And I'm just thinking – and then I put it on and she doesn't say anything. And I'm thinking, I don't know. Maybe she listens to like another kind of music from Brazil or something. And she recently turned to my significant other and said – Colin really likes that Brazilian music doesn't he likes Milton Nascimento and it turned out she was listening to all this stuff so it made me feel good about that. Um, that wasn't even that interesting a story. Um, but anyway, I really like that a lot. I thought it's a great choice, Jen. Okay, this is my absolute favorite of everybody's picks. This is Noah. This is uh, one of yours. It's Jasmine Lovell-Smith. Uh, the album is called Yellow, Red, Blue. Yes, it is from the Mark Rothko Uh, painting uh, of the same name. This is Familia. We're going to play it and then uh, Noah will tell us more about it. Thank you, Noah Behrman, for introducing me to this, which I never would have discovered any other way. My pleasure. I guess her group is called
4: Towering Poppies. That's right. This I like
3: everything th- about her, including like her group is Towering.
4: Poppies. Yeah, it's, this, this is the second Towering Poppies record. Uh, the first one's beautiful too. Um, no, this record is beautiful in every way, even down to—and shameless plug, I guess—for my wife, Kate Teneyck, who jaz- Jasmine was a grad student uh, in music at Wesleyan uh, a few years ago, and. Uh, and while she was there, studied printmaking with uh, my wife. And uh, so Jasmine did the cover art for this album as well, which is gorgeous. Uh, is, yeah. But she's a wonderful writer, a wonderful soprano saxophonist. Um, this uh, tune, if I'm not mistaken, is about her first trip to Mexico, where she and her Mexican husband, Chris, also a composer, uh, lived for several years. Um, they have since moved back to her native land of New Zealand. Um, but so extra good that we have these recordings to check out her music, uh, those of us who are not uh, easily able to get to New Zealand.
3: Right. No, this, uh, it's terrific. And she works also, she was in a, a town called Morelia, Mexico, and she worked, she included in some of the, um, I, I think, sort of some of the intervals uh, here, the Morelia-based string quartet,
4: Quarteto La Matraca. That's right. They're on this track, uh, yeah. among others. It just
3: it's, it's so cool. The whole thing is so cool all the way through. It's just uh, it's, it's great. It's a new
2: way of making chamber music almost. It's yeah, like yeah. I, yeah, I, would, I could go with that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go to one of Gene's picks right now. This is the Kenny Barron Trio. Um, uh, this is called Cook's Bay. I think I'm just going to let Gene talk about it when we get back from hearing a little of the cut. so well here, too. We we are, we're going to get through everybody's music here, but uh, say a little bit, I mean, Kenny Barron. of course, <laughs> his, needs no introduction, but introduce him anyway.
2: A lot of people should know him. Uh, he is still very well known and esteemed within the jazz universe. Um, there's always one person, uh, one living pianist who is regarded as the master, the living master. And uh, in some years, it's been Tommy Flanagan, Hank Jones, and... But Kenny Barron, I think, Robbie, has that title now. I'm speaking to two keyboardists, and they're nodding their assent, you know, uh, relatively speaking. But uh, this, the kind of thing that he does has such an an effortlessness in, 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 in just the way he commands. He's, he's particularly in his comfort zone on a track like this. He loves Brazilian music. He loves the Brazilian beat. And he's able to slip into those grooves, like, seamlessly without any anything showing. And it just... Again, every once in a while I pick an album just because of everything it does right. Mm. And and I don't want to use the word immaculate cuz that implies that there's, you know, that there's nothing, you know, there's nothing to grab onto. It's just too smooth, but it isn't. I mean, it's 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 immaculate in a very um uh absorbing and also uh uh you know, it it gets into you. It seeps into you.
3: You guys want to talk about Kenny? Yeah, you're both pianist.
4: I mean, full disclosure, uh, Kenny was my teacher for six years Ah. and uh, um, my primary musical mentor. um, And I've probably listened to him more than any other jazz musician. um, And which hopefully gives some weight to the statement that I think this is my favorite record that he's done in probably 20 years. Wow. Wow. um, And I've got dozens of them, and uh, it, his trio, this is the first recording of his uh, longtime contemporary trio with Kiyoshi Kitagawa and Jonathan Blake, who That's we right. heard on the Black Art Jazz Collective That's record right. a little while ago, and they, I, I would say that this shows that Kenny has still got it, and that they're rivaling his classic 80s, 90s trio with Ben Riley and Ray Drummond as uh, an incredibly mature swinging unit. Jen?
1: Yeah. I, I haven't actually heard this whole album yet, but like Kenny Barron's one of my favorites, so I have to go check out the rest of this album because, yeah, it's it is it's just a key thing I think to kind of what Gene was saying. He's one of those people that you check out,
2: just like the, immediately. the masters, yeah, immediately. immediately. So we're going to go out of
3: this segment with one of uh, Jen's choices. Uh, this is uh, Raybon McMoran. Uh, the album is called Raymac. It's uh, this cut is called All of a Sudden. But We have to do our talking before we're going to play into the break. So this is uh, another person from the Hartford j- Jazz Mafia, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: yeah, I think he's uh, not from Hartford, but he's from Connecticut. Yeah, um, yeah. Ray McMoran is, uh, I went to school with him at Hart, and he's a terrific tenor player. I think you're going to hear lots of influences from Jackie since he went to Hart, mm-hmm. to, you know, you totally Train, Jack- to, to every, you're going to hear a lot of history in his playing, and it, it's a real, I'd say this, well, this band is made up of, of, Mostly Hartford musicians, not all of them, but yeah,
3: you're gonna hear Josh Evans on trumpet. You're gonna mm-hmm. hear Desron Douglas on bass. Mm-hmm. You're who you're also gonna hear in the next couple we play after the break. Yeah. But and uh, Curtis
1: Torian, who's from on the shore um, of Connecticut, so they're all great musicians. And um, actually, Ray lives in Japan now yeah. so he's doing a lot of playing out there
3: yeah he moved to uh, Japan quite a few years ago part of the Tokyo scene uh, there uh, we should also I think he played in Horace Silver's last band along mm-hmm. with our buddy Steve Davis who's probably listening Steve Davis like maybe the nicest guy in jazz um, uh, and uh, so uh, we're gonna play we're gonna go out of this segment uh, with Raymond McMorin from the album Raymak all of a sudden <laughs> Right, so this is the part where Kyon Wolf usually does the credits, except Kyon Wolf isn't here to do the credits right now. She's traveling back from the Midwest today. She'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh but she sort of uh, was the first producer of this show. Uh she rounded up all the music that you're hearing here today and made sure uh, that our jazz savants could all do this in the same time and in the same place.
4: Thanks, uh, And
3: So thanks to Kayon Wolf and thanks to Jonathan McNichol. He's been uh, t- he's taken over all the uh, technically complicated business of playing these songs for us and he's doing a great job. Uh, Betsy Kaplan is uh, <laughs> doing other important things that are almost unquantifiable uh, as usual. Uh, and who else do we need to oh, own our intern today is Dizzy Fisher. Uh, the part of Bill Curry was played by Bob Durub. Uh And uh, so tomorrow, what are we doing tomorrow? I've completely forgotten what tomorrow's show is. But we we will be – oh, it's the octopus show. We're doing the octopus show tomorrow. Octopuses are like so much smarter than you think that they are and they have personalities. It sort of ruins eating octopus. If you'd like to go on eating grilled octopus, don't listen to tomorrow's show because you won't ever – it would be like eating like a Jeopardy contestant or something. You know I mean? You you just wouldn't do it. So – and also as as, as long as this is a music show. Let me mention that. I believe it's Wednesday, February 1st. If February 1st is a Wednesday, then it's definitely the case. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a show at Watkinson School about Brian Wilson, but the music of Brian Wilson. Uh, the genius, uh, Steve Metcalf, will be joining me. Matt Sargent, uh, a, a composer and a teacher of composition, will be joining me. We have some other special guest stars that we're lining up here. But we can't announce them yet. And you will be a guest star too if you're there because we're going to have you guys sing some Brian Wilson tunes. Uh, just to make our load a little lighter. You can do some of the work. And uh, there's a wonderful dinner beforehand. So go to watkinson.org. The series is called Freshly Squeezed. uh, And get your tickets in advance. It's because it's going to be, you know, it'll be cold and dark and bleak. And what could be better than the warmth of the sun? Uh, and other uh, Brian Wilson songs. Even if Brian Wilson wasn't always that cheerful, his music is. Um, All right, so we are uh, running out of time and we are running out of music and it's all gonna work out just great. Uh, We've got one of Noah's left to go. This is a good place for us to talk about jazz musicians and they're side hustles, you know, because we're about to hear from Brandy Younger. She is a, a harpist who has a Hartford background that we can talk about a little bit or a Hart School background that we can talk about a little bit. But like a lot of the people here, like Ryan Keberly, he, he's like played for David. Bo- he's on a David Bowie yeah. track, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, like he's he plays with all these other uh, cool rock uh, stuff like that. Alicia Keys, I think he's he's performed with. And, you know, there aren't that many harpists anyway. So I was just tracking down Brandi Younger and she um, has appeared on the first track of Commons, Finding Forever. Uh, She also played on a recent John Legend album and on at least the mixtape version of Drake's Overdose of Life. Although unfortunately, as I went listening to find the Brandi Younger harp part in there, it appeared to come welling up just as one of the guest rappers was saying, I need a brunette for group sex, which is maybe not where you want your harp
4: to be heard but you know you're going to work
3: in hip-hop you're going to take what you get. but tell us a little bit more about
4: brandy younger um she is th- this may not sound like as much of a compliment uh, as it is but she is um possibly the preeminent jazz harpist on the scene and she's really integrated it in the spirit of alice coltrane and dorothy ashby mm-hmm. into this music in an organic way and i'm particularly fond of uh of this record she just put out. Um, there, there are a number of um, kind of hip-hop-infused r and meet jazz records that came out this year that were wonderful. Robert Glasper's new record, yeah. Derek Hodges' new record, you should definitely check out. And uh, this one um, particularly stands out to me. And I think it's interesting you bring up the idea of the side gig. And one of the things that's uh, beautiful about this music is it's clearly embracing all of these different influences. It's not uh, um, slumming it for uh, m- more accessible music and thus extra cash. It's uh, the the genuine embrace of both the soul music and the straight-ahead jazz is completely organic and uh, and quite compelling in this case.
3: So we're pretty sure Brandi Younger went through the, cla- the classical heart program uh, at heart school, uh, and I think she also did a music education thing or something like that at heart business school. Business music business. Music business. I was. I was music yeah. business. Okay, and so um, here's a fun fact. Her cousin is MacArthur genius, uh, grand urban farmer Will Allen, who once appeared on this show on maybe the worst phone connection we've ever had with any guest <laughs> in our history. I don't know if Betsy Kaplan remembers that phone connection. It was really bad.
4: He's like he's like a former NBA player too, and now he's like this genius grand urban farmer. So, and he gets to take credit for being Brandy's uh, cousin, which is perhaps the top of the resume. Yeah, at
3: this point, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna hear the title track from Wax and Wayne. You're gonna hear uh, some of what Noah's talking about in terms of the kind of R and B influence here. I really like this a lot, you know, and I mean, I think you're right, too. If you on first listen, you think, well, in some ways she's bled in stuff that's probably a little bit more commercial in nature uh, than jazz harp would be. But then you listen to it a little bit more it's like Robert Glasper. She's not just doing it to be cool or to be commercial or anything.
4: No, and whether or not it has that result, it's completely genuine. And I'll throw in that uh, at the beginning of the show you were talking about great female instrumentalists Mm -hmm. and the two featured soloists on this track are the flutist Ann Drummond and the tenor saxophonist Chelsea Barats and uh, they both kill it.
3: Um, No, this is great. Um, All right, we're heading towards the end of the show. I mean, one of the sad things about any year is that people people, wonderful people die. And actually, Alan Toussaint died really at the end of 2015. Uh, we're going to end with him. We should say that we've gotten the sad news right before the show started today that Carrie Fisher uh, has passed on. Also in any year, whether it's David Bowie or I, I sort of like missed that Mose Allison died. It's like he died on yeah. the same day as three other people or I something.
2: And, and, and as usual, people thought it was a, a hoax at first and then yeah. it, it wasn't. So, you know, as, as usual, uh, you, you, you're referring earlier to the cross-pollinization of, of hip hop and jazz in some – well, there are a lot of cross. There's a lot of crossover in jazz too. I mean, David Bowie. Since you brought his name up, mm. his last album, Black Star, is it? Black Star was, was very, very jazz oriented, mm. and and to some people, signaled the new direction he was about to take just before he died. Um, and I put this one, Alan Toussaint's American uh, Tunes, on my list even though some people I did have, it was a kind of a controversial choice. Some people thought it mm. wasn't jazz, really. It was mm. more pop. And uh, I, I thought, first of all, that je- Alan Toussaint is truly beyond category of any kind, mm. number one. Number two, we've mentioned pianists with their distinctive qualities. Nobody could construct <laughs> fills as ornate and as beautifully textured as Alan Toussaint, no matter what he was doing. And uh, I think you're going I think the, the track you picked is uh, a, a piece by uh, Fats Waller. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? Viper's Drag. Viper's Drag.
3: Uh, we can't play the whole cut, but it's really fascinating because he goes to places that Fats Waller would not necessarily recognize, right. and then gets all the way back in a very seamless fashion. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I thought it would be maybe the right way to end here. Somebody we're gonna miss a lot. Uh, just the way I'm going to miss Moe's Allison a lot, too, as far as that goes. But uh, Alan Toussaint, uh, Viper's Drag. Uh, thanks so much to our wonderful jazz savants who were as fabulous as they always are. Jen Allen, Noah Bearman, and Gene Seymour. We will be back tomorrow Thank with you. Octopuses.